Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds. We are both here with you tonight. Richie is back. Welcome in, Richie. We finally are united. Yes, it's been a couple weeks now. Feels good to be back, like always. Yes, I've been moving. We've had uh, scheduling conflicts. You have the baby. So uh, it is nice. We have a loaded episode for you today. A few trades went down in our league. You and I actually made one of those trades, so we're going to kind of dissect those. We're going to talk about some of the players that have been promoted. Uh, one of the Reds players that I spoke on last week is now up, and it's not necessarily the one you or I want to have been called up. Correct. <laughs> and then we are going to break down the players that we expect to be called up next, how they're doing, how they're performing. And we're going to talk about a few younger players that are not expected to be up this season, but will have major impacts in the next coming years in Dynasty Leagues. So, Richie, let's jump into it. Um, you and I made a trade. We'll talk about ours first, kind of break it down for the listener and let me know why you made it and kind of the thought process that went into that. Yeah, so you offered me your Justin Verlander and Andrew Abbott for my Alec Manoa and Hunter Brown. And you offered it to me on the eve of Alec Manoa throwing seven walks. What do you give up? Four or five earned runs with only three strikeouts. I do think he's going to turn around, but he's been so frustra frustrating to roster. He has a double start. So, like, you can't bench him. I mean, I probably should have benched him because he's sitting on my lineup right now for this week with negative points. And then Hunter Brown, who you know I'm very high of, I believe. He's the next big thing. Think he's going to turn into an ace. Not this year, but maybe next year or the following year. Love his fastball. Dominant curveball. He doesn't command it the greatest, which when he leaves it middle-middle, he gives up a two-run shot to Luis Robert like he did in his last outing. I do like that I got Justin Verlander. You are kind of in a rebuilding stage, so he's expensive at $40 for you. And then Andrew Abbott, which I think is the piece that had me... It was the cherry on the top that made me want to take this deal. And when we talked about Andrew Abbott on this podcast way back when he was first starting to break out, I thought about picking him up. I was just like, there's no way. It's going to be a while before he gets called up. And I was thinking he's a year or two away. Then he gets moved to AAA. You go and pick him up, I believe, actually, the start before he gets moved to AAA. And I was like, dang, I should have picked him up. You know what? Oh, well. So I missed out on a breakout pitching prospect that's doing well in the minors right now. Um, so it was a way to correct a wrong, but also get rid of a frustrating player in Alec Manoa. So that was my reasoning behind it. I'm curious what your your true feelings were behind this trade. Yeah, so I don't have a rhyme or reason for this. And you know, those listening that have played in fantasy leagues for a while, um, you understand the terms that I'm going to throw at you right now. It was a gut feeling that I got about Verlander. It was the trade went down, as you said, the eve of the Verlander start the night before. And it was uh, two batters into Manoa's start when we actually when I actually called you and said, let's make this deal. Um, and I just had a feeling that Verlander's done. Um, it was one of those things where it was like probably not necessarily the truth, but the way I had been evaluating it all year was I'm every single week at risk of losing all value with Verlander. And if he pitches well, it just extends me to the next week of, okay, you have to move him. Uh, in the Dynasty League, our settings with roster construction being tied to salary, Verlander is a more expensive player for me. 
Um, I did acquire Bieber, who's an expensive player, and Verlander had to be moved at some point this year for what I wanted to be a depth pitching package. And looking around our league, there was one or two teams that could make that deal. And I felt like the best choice was probably with you because Brown is a developed major leaguer. Manoa has to bounce back, obviously, but a developed major leaguer. The only other option was a Yuri Perez-type trade. And I believe in Yuri, but I can't franchise Yuri, which would mean I could keep him a per- prospectively forever on a progression scale. You, you can franchise Yuri. I can, but I have Cole. And the way oh, okay. I look at it as I can't let what I want Yuri to be go for a player that is not there yet. Um so you were the obvious trade partner and I was just like, you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather get the package I would want in two months than possibly lose Verlander, not get that package and ultimately be sitting there with what could have been. I'm still very happy with the trade. Manoa is just going to sit on my bench probably until August when I think he'll finally figure it out with stamina issues um, as well as location and Brown will be a nice streamer. I think it works well for both of us. And then the Abbott piece was having Brandon Fott, Tanner Bybee, as well as Mackenzie Gore. I have three young players already. If Abbott even came up in Cincinnati in that environment, it was like now I have four pitchers that I'm not fully Risking. confident. <laughs> yeah, like Abbott could be dominant and have a start much like Lodolo where it's like he just gets bit by the ballpark. You know, like it's it, it's not really his fault at times. Obviously, when you give up home runs, there are there is a skill set involved, but... I think this trade worked very well for both of us. Obviously, Verlander, Verlander did not have a good start yesterday, but I watched a lot of it. He There was nothing of concern. He just got hit by Paredes. Like, had two outs, gave up a three-run home run, um, you know, and continued to give up runs in that game. But Verlander is still Verlander, and you're competing. I'm teetering on, you know, a full rebuild. So uh, definitely was an exciting trade for both of us. What Let's go I'll into— say, Before we move on, I, I do want to say two more things. The other piece that made me want to do it is to upset another owner. So it was a little bit of spite. I'm not going to say the owner's name, but they knew who they know who they are. And the other thing I'll say is I do have somewhat of a a bad feeling. Not that Justin Verlander's done, but that he may get injured again, much like um, Max Scherzer does. Like maybe he has like a lat strain or some sort of shoulder strain that puts him out for another month or so. I'm a little bit skeptical and with my last trade that I made the player I just traded for has a broken wrist in Manny Machado so I feel like the bad luck is not on my side right now but I'm gonna try to stay optimistic on that yeah well and I mean your concerns are my, were my concerns you know I I just can no longer risk losing an asset that can the difference the difference is, is I don't plan on trading Justin Verlander where you had every intent to Correct. trade Justin Verlander. Correct. So I can I can bake in that risk. Yeah, and even if there's an injury, right, we're pretty solid that the elbow's good after coming back from Tommy John last year. Like, even if it's Unless a shoulder again. turns into be Dustin May. Look, look at him. He's out with an elbow. But, hey, you know what? I'm ready to risk it. Risk it for the biscuit, right? Well, and listen, we talk about this every year. We're able to rebuild every single year if we need to, right? Like, there's always another Brown. There's always another Manoa. And we talked last year about the acquisition of Manoa for you. It was basically a complete freebie. So in reality, you really did just trade Hunter Brown for Justin Verlander. You're winning now. Traded a young pitcher. Like, it's a good trade. It's pretty much I got my Max Scherzer back from last year. Correct. <laughs> for yeah. free. Yeah. I, I guess if that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a reality in reality what it really is. Um, all right. Let's I'll break down it. the next trade. 
and this was much more lopsided, but I think when we did dive into it, you know, the listener will understand a little bit more. Um, we had New York strikeout exchange acquire Trey Turner and Will Smith, you know, two starting pieces now in their lineup. And they gave away Edward Cabrera, Wilson Contreras and Jorge Mateo on paper. When you look at the names again, seems very lopsided, but the, uh, zappers and gappers really likes Cabrera here. And when you break down Mateo and Contreras's kind of output, you're getting about 80%, 90% of what Turner and Smith probably will be. Um, what, what did you think of this trade originally? And um, who do you think won the deal? I think uh, New York strikeout exchange who received Will Smith and Trey Turner. I think they win by quite a decent amount. I've kind of soured on Edward Cabrera since his strikeout rate has ballooned over the last year or so. I thought by now he'd had it figured out and I'm worried he's either going to get demoted or move to a long relief role. I just don't see him being a starter. I believe in the strikeout rate. I believe in the stuff. I just don't believe in the command. And at this point you should have had it figured out by now. We look at guys like Corbin Burns who had struggled with command and they figured it out and turned into studs and it didn't take them this long to figure it out once they got to the big league level. And that is what concerns me. But if you're looking at it through the lens of just the strikeout rate and just the upside, I can see why you would give up a package like that. It looks like Zappers and Gappers is planning to rebuild and have to build around this Edward Cabrera piece. Jorge Mateo, personally, I think he's just a guy who's hot. But if you can sell him as the legit thing, then I, I could see why they think they got a decent package for Will Smith and Trey Turner. Will Smith and Contreras, I think, kind of cancel each other out. So it's really, in my mind, Trey Turner for Jorge Mateo and Edward Cabrera. Yeah, and when I broke it down after like sitting back and looking at the names and, and moving past that, um, conversation came up that you really have to understand all fantasy leagues this year have a very deep shortstop position. And because of that in Dynasty with Trey Turner's salary being as high it is, as it is, which is about a sixth of our budget, you aren't going to be able to get the same kind of value back for that that you would expect. Um, I think realistically, this was a good deal because in two months when you're shopping Trey Turner, teams that are competing are going to say, well, listen, like I have a guy that's 80%, 85% of Trey. I'm not giving up any valuable pieces, pieces for the future because it's just not big as big enough of an impact. Now, we've seen Trey Turner obviously become hot and score 40, 50 points a week. Um, but I, that still stands. It's a deep position. And then secondary with Will Smith, he's averaging 4.5 points a game in our league. There is regression coming. Um, Will Smith has been a great catcher for a number of years now. And just last year, the league owner tried to move him. And no one wanted him because what the league owner was asking for was just too much. No one wanted to trade a usable piece, piece of the future for a catcher that was also you know, um, probably 130% over what they had. Now, I, I do think the, um, I, I do think Parker won this trade, but I understand where, where uh, Tanner was coming from. And I think ultimately, again, if he were to shop both of those pieces down the road, he calls you or I, we're probably not giving him anything because it, um, our pieces are more valuable than those current standing. And he, neither of those players also are keepable. So, you know, you're trading rentals with salary implications as well. Um, we do have a, an expected trade to go down tomorrow. Uh, we will talk about that next week, but uh, let's move. Oh, you got to talk about it now. I so cannot. That when this releases, I cannot. I've been sworn to secrecy, um, and I have to. I have to honor that, unfortunately, because I do think this will be good for the league, and it will be. Why very don't you just do it now? Interesting. 
Why do you uh, wait till tomorrow? Gotta, we'll do it. I'll do an emergency. Uh, do an emergency episode. Two minute oh episode. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's You're move annoying. on here. We're gonna talk about recent promotions, Richie. So uh, run down this list for us. Um, really nice performance tonight by one of them, and um, actually two of them. Uh, but who got called up recently, and for what teams? Yeah, so we got Matt McLean, shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds, Matthew Libertor for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he did fantastic. I think he did fantastic. Didn't allow any runs because they shut out the Brewers tonight. And then Mark Vientos of the New York Mets, and I know he had a home run, but I didn't see what his final stat line was for tonight. So those are the three most recent ones. Um, not sure which ones you talked about last week, if any. I think Matt Mervis also got called up. I'm not sure if we talked about him or not, but those are the ones that stick out to me. Yeah, and uh, McLean had a really nice double for his first major league hit. Showed off all the skills, right? Showed off the speed. Um, much smaller on the field than I think I expected. Obviously, he is listed as at 5'8", so uh, height is definitely not something working in his favor, per se. Vientos had a nice home run to dead center today. Mm-hmm. It did just get out. Uh, Libertor, what was it, five innings today, I think, against the Brewers. Um, yep. Pulled in pretty quickly. But over five, five innings, three hits, no earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, and, and Milwaukee's been struggling. I think at this point, um, you know, the tendency this season has been not to stream against Milwaukee. I think the tendency now is stream, stream, stream. If you're playing Milwaukee, I think these young kids have finally found the overmatched power of the major leagues. Um, you know, Yelich isn't doing anything special. So I think that probably worked in Libertor's favor. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm most excited about Vientos on this list as well as Libertor. Um, Libertor obviously having opportunity because the Cardinals have been so bad with their rotation. But Vientos came up last year. I think we saw him in person at Miller Park. If it wasn't last year, it was the year before, and he was awful. He was just terrible. Um, so this is his opportunity to kind of bounce back. And he had a really nice AAA season. He was picked up today in our league for $4. So obviously that league owner really, really believes in him. Well, that's my fault. Did you uh, Did you bait him into this? Well, I texted him this morning before waivers when we got the notification that Mark Vientos was called up. And I just was like, hey, do you think he's really worth a pickup or not? Like, just asking, like, do you think he's worth a dollar? I got ghosted up until waivers went through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you alive? And no response. He didn't respond until after waivers went through. And he goes, I couldn't talk to you because I had already placed a waiver before you texted me. So I think he said he originally had $2 in because he was lower on the waiver. And because I texted him, he bumped it up to $4. So that's inadvertently my fault. But hey, if he decides to be legit, Jackson's got to keep him for $9 instead of $7. Well, and, you know, from his perspective, he's rostering Vladimir Guerrero um, and has all intention of letting him go back into the draft. There's his first baseman, you know, like kind of safety netting himself at a $9 price point where Vientos is really worth it. Well, there you go. That's if he can get enough appearances at first base. It sounds like they're going to use him as a full-time DH. And Brett Beatty is going to play third. And looks like um, Edward, Eduardo Escobar is the odd man out here. Yeah, but Escobar should be the odd man out, you know. Well, he should. But I'm just saying, I mean, I don't think Vientos is going to get enough appearances over Pete Alonso unless they keep switching out between DH and first base. But Well, we'll it's see. interesting too, right? If he stays up, Vientos hits. If he performs and he's worth that keeper value, I think the 10 appearances, I think it's 10 appearances that you have to have an ESPN 
It's 10 appearances for the current season. It's 20 to retain it for the next season. Interesting. Yeah, 20 games is a lot. But it's 5 and 10 for pitchers. If they're smart, they would give Alonzo days off, right? Like, but then again. Well, right, but it's going to be like once every two weeks. I mean, think about it just once a week, right? Like, what are you playing? You're five, six sitting. games? I mean, he's not a gold yeah. glove, right? Like, What's the difference in him and Vientos? You know, maybe marginally, like marginal well, it's defense. The off, it's the offense that you lose out on. But right. I guess, yeah, if he's, well, no, if he's I mean, hitting, we'll you, see. You just trade him between DH. Like, if Vientos is DH, you just put him at first base and you put Alonzo at, you know, DH. Yeah, no, I hear you. But I again, 20 is a lot. Um, all right. Well, moving on, we have some names on the verge, right? Uh, we got a lot of names here. A lot of guys that we are pretty excited about. So let's kick it off. We've got uh, Ben Brown for the Chicago Cubs. He's been tearing up Double A. I think he recently got called up to Triple A. Richie, is that right? Yes, he did. He's got three starts for Triple A. He's kind of struggling. When he was in Double A, he had four starts. Don't think he had a .45 ERA since he got moved to Triple A. He has now got a 4.91 ERA, 19 strikeouts. So in the 14 and two thirds that he's um, innings pitch that he's thrown, but eight walks. So that's a little concerning. The command is a little off, but hey, the Cubs could use some rotational help. And if he starts to figure it out in AAA, I think he, if he figures it out, I don't think we'll see him until August or September. But definitely a name to look out for. He got snatched up in our Dynasty League um, just a few weeks ago. So... Yeah, definitely a name to keep an eye out. This is a guy who was traded from the Phillies to the Cubs. I can't remember for who, though. Do you remember, Matt? No, um, but that's the interesting comment that you bring up. He has been in the majors since 2017, well, major league um, organization since 2017. He was, I think it just said, a 33rd round pick by the Phillies, which is pretty incredible. Um, and honestly, one of the guys that may be the next name that's called up in this Brandon Fott, uh, Tanner Bybee, uh, you know, Logan Allen situation where we're having some of these young guys brought up. And I, I think the strikeout uh, opportunity is the biggest thing here. He was a David Robertson trade to the Phillies. Yeah, uh, I was just looking it up too. And uh, strikeouts. Like this is something we, we talk about a lot. Like if you're going to be a young pitcher and you're going to go off four or five innings, give up four or five runs, right? Like that's always the risk. If you can minimize that in a points production and especially a points league with the strikeouts, you can still be useful, especially in the environment we have right now. So he could be a name that you could pick up and stream. Um, Obviously, 23 years old, 6'10", has the height, um, probably has the the reach as well on the mound. I like Ben Brown a lot. Definitely, I think he's picked up overvalue, though, in our league, but that's just how that owner operates. Um, Next name we have, Richie is Colton Kowser, a name that you like, I like, a trade we made, a player we no longer have. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Kowser? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast or not, but I believe he is the neck, or he's this year's Michael Harris with a little bit more pop. Um, MLB gives him 55 grades across the board, hitting, power, run, um, arm. Field, he gets a 50, but overall he is... Pretty solid, lighting up AAA right now, batting 331. He has seven home runs, love to see that. But in his last 10 games, he's batting 351 with two of those home runs. So he is absolutely on fire right now. The question is, and yeah, we've had to have talked to him because I think we've talked about how 
they have a crowded outfield with uh, Hayes, Santander, Mullins. Yeah. So that's the only thing blocking him unless they play him at DH. Um, but definitely somebody that I think they have to call up if he keeps hitting the way he is. Yeah, I think it's probably within the next week. I think next week we're probably talking about it. If not, it'll be the week after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for a lot of these hitters that we're about to speak on. Um, next name on our list, though, next two names are pitchers. Uh, Cade Polovich of the same team, of the Orioles, 23-year-old, currently pitching in double-A, uh, was Minnesota Twins' third-round pick back in 2021 out of Nebraska. So we have a older pitcher here, again, 23, uh, what are your thoughts, Richie, and um, what have you seen so far? Yeah, so I didn't really know about Kate Povich until he was a part of the trade for Jorge Lopez with the Minnesota Twins last year. Did some digging, and I liked what I saw out of him. He's got a fastball probably 94, 96, but he also has a changeup, curveball. Um, I don't know if he has a slider or not. Uh, yeah, he does have a slider, but doesn't throw it as much. But what I like is he's been performing – so far i'm trying to pull up his numbers here um so far three and three three eight two era seven games 30 innings 48 strikeouts a whip of one two four most recent game four innings four strikeouts did give up three runs in that game oh that's today uh that is today uh okay, may 11 so he didn't do too well yeah i did not do well today but may 11th so five innings, last, 10 Ks. last last five six starts if you're looking at it um, five innings, no earned runs, two walks, 10 strikeouts, four and two thirds. He gives up three earned runs, but seven strikeouts. One of them was a home run. One after that, five innings, only three hits, no earned runs, no one walk, 10 strikeouts. So he's flashing that strikeout ability of almost two strikeouts per inning up until this last outing. So this is kind of putting a little water on the fire here, but up until then, I was thinking, okay, this guy needs to get moved up to AAA. I think he's bucking the trend as DL Hall. I think he's destined for relief pitching, whether it's long relief or maybe he ends up being that seventh inning guy behind Cano and Bautista. Um, but I was thinking with that Orioles rotation, man, it's bad. Um, Grayson Rodriguez is struggling. Kyle Gibson's not that great. Um, who else am I missing? They don't have the great, like there's an opportunity if he's pitches well for him to make this major league roster. Yeah. Well, and again, back to the strikeouts, right? These are the guys that we're honing in on. Um, we we want to see more strikeout production so that you can obviously project more points or in categories, more K's. I think that's really something that we obviously want. Um, and I just checked real quick. He is not part of the Southern league. Uh, which would have been my first concern. The sticky ball? Yeah. The, or the tacky one. Tacky ball. Um, that's something that we're going to have to monitor all season. For those of you who don't know, in the Southern League, they are attempting a tacked ball that is already tacked. It's a more of a Japanese style, um, which is one of the big reasons Andrew Abbott's strikeout uh, performances were so incredibly high in AA. Did fall off a little bit in AAA, but he's still clearly a strikeout-dominant first pitcher. Um, but that is something we're going to monitor all season when we talk about these statistics because it will inflate uh, stats. And if you're talking about, about a guy like Polvich, 10 strikeouts is nice, but if he's really just a six-strikeout guy because of the ball, it's going to really decrease what we think of him as, as well as his overall value. Um, Richie, next name on this list is also a left-handed pitcher, 
That's Blake Walston. This is a AAA affiliate for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This was a first-round pick, 26 overall in 2019, 6'5", tall pitcher. Uh, no strikeout, or I should say no strikeouts, but few strikeouts this season. But what do you like about Blake so far? I like that the Diamondbacks can't find anybody who's actually going to stick. Um, Ryan Nelson, Tommy Henry, Dre Jameson, they've all been struggling so far. There's, I did like what I saw to Brandon fought on his last start outside of the Michael Conforto home run. Um, other than that, you got Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen that are really holding down this rotation. So the opportunity is there. Um, I'm just trying to pull up what he's done recently. Um, in his last two outings, he's got 13 innings pitched with 14 strikeouts. Um, I, I just think the opportunity is there for him to showcase what he can do. Um, he's got pretty good grades across the board, nothing overpowering, but at least average or above and his fastball curveball slider change up and he's got decent control. I'm just trying to look up what his walk rate is right now. Is he actually performing? So his walk rate's kind of high this year. Um, but yeah, as of recently, he's starting to turn it up a little bit. Yeah, I got to, you know, I like to look at overall game logs and, and just kind of see what's been going on. Uh, May 3rd, he had a he had five and two thirds innings, allowed seven hits, four walks. Didn't actually allow a run in that game, which is pretty impressive. That's 11 base runners over five and two thirds. Then looking back at the 27th, uh, he had four innings, four walks. Um, and he's doing this for what looks like Reno. Yeah, the yeah. Reno Aces. Um, so you got to give him a little bit of a pass on that. But also the fact he comes with the pedigree is a, a first round mm -hmm. draft pick for the Diamondbacks in 2019. So it, I don't know where he was, where he pitched uh, in high school. He was North, North Carolina. North Carolina. Just funny because he looks very similar to Andrew Miller. Um, if you actually look at his MILB profile picture, it's like, is that actually Andrew Miller with the hair, the face, the facial hair? And Andrew Miller with a, was a North Carolina Tar Heel. Um, all right, Richie, moving on. We've got a bunch of names next on our list. Is Justin Henry Mallory? Uh, Mal Malloy. 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 I was gonna say Mallory. Yes. That's not. Sorry, Justin. You also spell your first <laughs> name like nice. a freaking idiot. Oh, Just kidding, Justin. You uh, almost said a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to hit the little box. Um, seven home runs currently in AAA. He is in the Detroit Tigers organization. Twenty-five RBIs, one stolen base, batting three ten. It has him as no position. Excuse me, third base listed. A um, couple third base prospects into the, the Detroit organization. So, um, what do you think of this individual? What's your projection? Does he come up soon? OPS of nine forty. Yeah, I, I think he does come up soon. I don't know where he's going to play, but the Detroit Tigers can use any help they can get. I don't think he's going to be anything too great, but I think he'll be a serviceable player, especially at outfield has been horrific this year. There's been a few gems that have surfaced. Um, I don't, this is kind of a guy that I want to wait and see, but as far as promotions go, I think we can see him maybe June or July, unless the Tigers are really committing to not wanting to call anybody up. And then in that case, we won't see him until August or September. I do like that three of his seven home runs have come in the last 10 games. So I'm curious to see if he develops some more power here. Um, I also like his walk rate. 
to strikeout rate, 30 walks to 44 strikeouts. So I like that over 142 plate appearances. So that's good. The plate discipline's there. Um, yeah, somebody definitely to watch. I don't know if I'm necessarily picking up yet. Yeah, in deep leagues, I think he's definitely a guy where if you incur an injury or you just have a black hole at third base, uh, if he gets called up, kind of keep an eye on him. Uh, might be a filler for you for a couple of weeks. There is a lot of depth there at that uh, position for the Tigers minor league system. So I also think if he struggles, there might be opportunity for a quick flip there. Um, so, you know, just a name, name to keep an eye on, especially for deep leagues. Next on our list is Ronnie Mauricio, your rostered dynasty player. This is, of course, of the New York Mets organization. He is playing at Syracuse, AAA affiliate, currently 165 at-bats, seven home runs, eight stolen bases, batting 358 with an OPS over 1,000. Now, Richie, before you jump in, obviously, I have had my concerns about Mauricio. Um, love the body type. I do think there's absolutely Jordan Alvarez Jr. kind of opportunity here. Um, is a switch hitter as well, so you have that. Uh, big concern for me is the strikeout to walk ratio, 29 strikeouts in 41 games, so not bad. Um, only eight walks, so not a lot of plate uh, discipline in, in regards to at least working counts. What do you think of Mauricio? What is your projection? When does he come up? Yeah, I definitely liked um, the power, the hit tool, and it's always been that strikeout concern. And it was one of the things that turned me off of him last year when he was truly breaking on. I was like, yeah, he's got a 45 hit tool on MLB, so I'm good on that, even though his power is rated at 60. I typically like prospects who have a 55 hit tool or higher. But you know, these kids are young. This kid is 22 years old in AAA. Think about that for a second. We're talking about Jackson Churio at 19 in AA and Junior Caminero at 19. So he's one of the younger guys at AAA for sure. Um, and I like what he's developed so far. His strikeout rate, I don't have it before, but I saw it earlier on Twitter that his strikeout rate was 30 to 40% the last few years, and it's down to like 16% this year, which is anything under 20 is average or better. So I like that. In the last 10 games, he's got two walks to five strikeouts, so it is getting better. He's betting 395 with the home run. As far as getting called up, they recently started playing him at second base, and that's obviously because he plays shortstop. He's not going to overtake Francisco Lindor, but they have Jeff McNeil and Luis Guillerme playing second base. You can easily switch Jeff McNeil to the outfield to play with Brandon Nimmo. And then who are they filling that other outfield spot with? Well, Marcana, uh, Marcana maybe? Marte, uh, if he's healthy. Or Starling Marte. So it's, it's a log jam there for sure. But the clear path is for him to play second base. And if he's batting, let's see, what is he doing? Well, Overall, just in 358. Just in May, um, he has five strikeouts, which is incredible. I mean, looking at his game log, they've played almost every day in May. They missed the eighth, played doubleheader on the sixth, played a lot of baseball in May, uh, batting 424 in May. Now, what's confusing to me, though, is, and he has an OPS over 1,100 in May, um, only one home run, uh, 10 doubles. So I'm interested to see with maybe like deeper numbers as to why now again he is playing in syracuse um you know the east coast hasn't fully warmed up yet 
Obviously, we know the power is there. He's showcased that in spring. He showcased that in the Dominican um, Winter League. But, um, I mean, the hit tool has to be skyrocketing. I think you have to at least rate him at a 55, if not a 60 at this point with what he's doing in AAA. My concern is body size. Like, second base, he's 6'3 already. Um, He's only going to fill out more. Like, this is a right fielder with power, right? Like, I talked about Jordan Alvarez. This is the body type that you're going to have to move off the infield and I don't understand why they're not just making that transition right now. Um, I'm just I'm a little confused by that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to sit patient. This is definitely somebody I'd be buying in Dynasty. Um, yeah, that's all I really have to do. It's the wait and see. I think they're maybe they're experimenting, see how second base goes. Maybe they move him to the outfield. Maybe they have him play more DH. And who knows, maybe that's affecting his power because he's trying to learn a new, yeah. new defensive position. I mean, I'm not in the trenches there at AAA. I don't know what they're telling him to focus on, or they tell him to focus on defense so that you can get your bat up there. But, I mean, at, at some point we got to stop saying he's just hot because he did it throughout the American or the AFL and the end of last season, and now he's carried over into a month and a half. I mean, at some point, I mean, if he keeps doing this for, I don't know, the next month or two, I fully believe that he'll be a pretty pretty um, good contributor to the major league team as soon as he gets called up. Yes, I fully agree with that. Let's move on. What did you just send me right now? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I was listening to this podcast, and someone said you should be buying on Ronnie Mauricio. So I, uh... Send me a Tommy John guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you guys, you guys, for the listeners, for the listeners, Matt just offered me Jose Alvarado, who's on the shelf with an elbow injury for Ronnie Mauricio. <laughs> Listen, I, again, I was told that, we should be buying. Okay. Um, yes, that was, that was just a joke. Uh, let's move on here. We have probably your favorite player right now uh, in the minor leagues, also currently rostered by you. That is Christian Encarnacio oh, Strand. We'll come We're back. Skipping your boy? We'll come okay. back to him. All right. Um, Otherwise known on the show as CES and Richie. This is the guy that I'm worried about his strikeout rate. I think he's got one walk so far since coming back from injury. I mean, 25 strikeouts, 21 games. Two walks. He's got two walks. Yeah, he's a very aggressive hitter, which. But he's got the power, man. Um, Yeah, he could could come up tomorrow if he wants, because I just lost my third baseman at Manny Machado for God knows how long. Well, um, it's interesting because the Athletic spoke on this, and I actually fully agree with them. Um, their theory is that the Reds are essentially bringing up players at this point that they're not sure on, as they usher in the new era of what Reds baseball. Well, I mean, you need to give them a shot, see what they have, and build around that, right? Because yeah, it, but the NL Central is so bad right now. Like, yeah. you could bring up teams that would actually help you win games. Why would you? Why would you bring up somebody like, yeah, well, we're not really sure about them, so we're going to bring them up and help us lose games. Well, I mean, you're also asking (laughs) these questions based off an organization that has a track record of just not doing things properly. And Are you trying to tank for another draft pick? Do you know they switched to a lottery? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of of questions with that. Um, And then then obviously the Super 2 comes into the equation as as well, which is in June, right? So... We're yeah, about for sure after that. two weeks away from the Super 2 passing, three weeks away. This could be a big factor as well. Um, 
But CES, 10 home runs, yeah. 93 at-bats. We talked about the strikeouts, 25 strikeouts, OPS over 1,000. Big-time power. This is a major league-ready player. Yeah, and I think we talked about this. One of his home runs was the second longest home run in AAA this year already, um, which is crazy. Just shows you the amount of power that this kid has. Um, going to sidetrack us for a second. I looked up the top 10 hardest hit or longest hit home runs. Do you know Trey Cabbage has three of the 10? That doesn't surprise me. Again, so listener, Trey Cabbage is a minor leaguer 26. Is that correct? I think so. I was looking um, it up. Sorry to sidetrack it, but I had to bring it up since we were talking about it. For the Angels, Trey Cabbage, he, let's see, where does he land in the top 34, the Angels? I don't even think he's in the top 30 prospects for the Angels. That's how long he has been forgotten about. I think he was drafted 2015. Back in... uh, fourth round, Minnesota Twins. Cabbage right now, 146, uh, 146 at bats, 12 home runs, average of 301, OPS at 986. On the season, he has played in 39 games, has 46 strikeouts. Uh, a little bit of a strikeout concern, but you have a power hit in your hands. Again, my concern is the age. I mean, he's 26 years old, left handed bat. Um, log jam in the outfield, as enlisted as a left fielder. You can't play him at DH. You know, the the Angels just have too many outfielders. Mickey Moniak, yeah. Joe Adele, Trey Cabbage. Like, there's just no playing time. My Jordan guess, Adams. Jordan yeah. Adams. Cabbage will probably get traded, my guess, um, in the next few months for a relief pitcher. Just shooting it out there, right? He's probably a C-chip prospect. Uh, some you know some team that's rebuilding will take a shot in the power, and we'll see. But yeah, three out of ten is a lot. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to sidetrack us. What are we talking about now? Encarnacion <laughs> um, Strand. What is your projection yeah. once he comes up? Wait, where? What kind Whatever of? Whatever the super two comp is. would you give our listener? Joey Gallo. I think that's fair. Okay. Okay. I I am going to say a much more powerful Jose Miranda. Um, less so hit tool. You think he's going to bet 270? No, less hit tool. So I'd say okay. I'd say 250 um, with, with better power. Because if you think about Miranda, Miranda's power really is gap power to right field, no home runs to right field really, unless it's like, you know, uh, line right field. And pull hitter, big time pull hitter, a lot like Bregman. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't really have that raw, raw power. And I think with Encarnacion Strand, you're going to see full field power but you're going to see less of a hit tool. Um, I don't want to say Gallo because Gallo really is just a one-shot pony at this point, and I think CES could provide more of a batting average. But, yeah, I think 230 to I 250. Just, yeah. I guess I'm more recently kind of the glass half empty as far as hitters coming up and performing. Like It's been a while since we've had an Alex Bregman, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa come up and just perform right away. Um, you look at people more recently, you have Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Jose Miranda had like a flash in the pan. And so like there's not, I just, I, I feel a little bit more conservative with their projections when they first come up. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think the more, re my recency bias for what I've seen more recently has kind of turned me off a little bit. But well, I could be wrong. And Look again, at Miguel Vargas struggled completely out of the gate. I don't know how much of that was with his wrist injury, 
But either way, it's kind of cooled me as far as the hitters go. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you know, when we're looking at these prospects, we're looking for elite level tools to project moving forward. Um, you look at Matt McLean, it's a perfect example of that. Have the numbers, but doesn't necessarily have the elite level tools. Has good speed, has average power, even though the numbers say he has above average power. A uh, good defensive player, right? But like, we're not seeing anything that's going to project at the next level as you kind of comp CES to Joey Gallo. There's elite level power here. And can he figure out everything else? Can he make enough contact? Can he be aggressive at the play where he's cutting down on that strikeout rate? These are things that we're going to have to see at the next level. And I think the Mirandas and the Vargases were guys that just were good players in the minors. Miranda over exceeded on his home run production, but you know there are probably variable reasons for that. Um, let's jump to another Reds player, Richie. We have EDC. Again, for the listener, it's Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, on our show known as EDC, not the music festival that is currently being held in Las Vegas. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you his main numbers because I took a look here just scrolling down just to see because I know he's he on had fire. A, he's on fire. He, is, he should be called out. Uh, he had a over terrible Mad April. Let's talk about his April first. April, he had 41 at-bats, uh, one home run. He had 18 strikeouts and batted 195. And that was the first time where I was like, uh-oh, I might have just ran myself into another um Cruz being O'Neill Cruz. Um but looking at his main numbers, very different profile. In May, 58 six at bats, five home runs, eleven walks, fourteen strikeouts, three thirty-nine with an OPS over eleven hundred. And I think I'm gonna quote this wrong, but he had a game where he had three balls over was it one sixteen or one eighteen? Do you remember? I, I don't remember. Either way, they're yeah, hard hit balls. Yeah, I mean, it's elite level ball, bat to ball skills as, as well as elite level raw power. I am ecstatic about um, EDC. I think, you know, for the listener that doesn't understand, I will be franchising EDC. Um, I think we may have a extreme talent, maybe not seen since Fernando Tatis. Now, I think we're going to see more swing and miss than Tatis. Um, this is a very exciting player, and I, I don't think the the shortstop will stick. He's been playing third base. What are your thoughts, Richie? Obviously, I'm excited. What are your concerns? What are you excited about? Um, if I'm being honest, he kind of reminds me of Ronald Acuna. Mm. Um, so I agree. I think he should be the top prospect, and I'll trade you Ronnie Mauricio for NBC <laughs> right now. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love the negotiation here. We got a Tommy John guy to the number one he'd... prospect in baseball. Hey. We Connor, got a, yeah, Connor, baby. <laughs> <Connor> <laughs> what? No, I just love it. I love his speed that he has. Okay, it's, it just makes the game so much more fun. Uh, well, we said we said base. skills, playing, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, the power, the speed. The um, he has the arm. Like it's he's weird. A switch hitter, right? Yeah, he's a switcher. Yeah. Um, he had a home run the other day at that one sixteen or one eighteen velocity, uh, right and left, which scares me just a little bit. Um, is he better from one side or the other? Are they equally as good? Like that's the things I don't know. So I've really just followed him through MILB and MLB pipelines, Instagram account through the last two years. Um, I've seen a lot of power from both sides. Um, and I've seen equal distance power in regards to, um, distance both sides. And that's something I really look for for switch hitters, because if we talk about current players, um, it's been a big issue for a lot of them. Cedric Mullins obviously switched to just being a left-handed hitter. 
Uh, we talk a lot about Ozzy Albies being a you know very powerful right-handed hitter, but he's a very high contact, low power left-handed hitter. So it's a really good question. I, I think that's something that we will probably find out more in the majors. And the only thing that scares me is he has a lot of similarities to O'Neill Cruz, but I think because he's a switch hitter, that may minimize some of um, the issues that O'Neill has ran into, which is he just can't hit lefties. Ellie can just swing around and bat righty. That, I mean, that's that's a huge advantage. Yeah. Huge advantage. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've got, let's see here, three more names before we get to our young guys, and then we will be done for the day. Um, next one up is another Baltimore Oriole AAA affiliate. That's Jordan Westberg, third baseman. Coming out of Mississippi State in the 2020 draft, he was the 30th pick. He was a collective bargaining um, allocated pick. 11 home runs, 139 at-bats, 40 RBIs, batting 317, OPS over 1,000. 24 years old, this kid is major league ready. What do you think? Yeah, you know when he was first coming up, I thought he was more of a hit tool over power. But it turns out that he's the opposite. He's more of a power guy over hit tool um mlb gives him a 55 power 45 hit i think those are inaccurate um just for triple a alone he's batting 317 he has 11 home runs and he's got 16 walks to 38 strikeouts but man he's been on fire lately trying to pull up what he's done in the last oh no he's not on fire anymore he's cooled off um i do either way I do think he is major league ready, and I think Colton Kelser gets the first shot, and then Jordan Westberg gets the second shot. Either way, I think both of them are getting called up one way or the other. I don't know how the Orioles are going to do it. They're going to be trading somebody for some pitching come the trade deadline. I think that's when we see Jordan Westberg. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. And I think what they're really trying to do right now is probably minimize the amount of rookies they have as Gunnar Henderson is struggling um, you know, they're trying to be competitive and it's a challenge right now because you bring up Kowser and you bring up Westberg, you're in a rebuild, right? You're in the midst of like what the rebuild looks like when you bring these kids up and it's hard because they have so many of these kids that are playing well at AAA. Um, I really project him to be about a 250 hitter for once he comes up for the first year, maybe your second year as well, showcasing a little bit of that power. But I think you have a solid top 15 third baseman on your hands moving forward. There's also the chance that they move him to shortstop. He was a shortstop when he was drafted, if I remember correctly, which surprised me because they had taken Gunnar Henderson. Um, so I didn't really understand where that played in. Um, or maybe it was Henderson that they drafted after. There's just some confusion there Either as to way. why they were taking you know middle infielders back-to-back drafts. But good player, a player of the future. I think in Dynasty League's time could buy right now. Uh, it might not be the time because he's been producing so well. But if you're looking for a full rebuild and this is a chip that's on the table, I think you're getting a player that you can lock into your lineup moving forward at, at least with the 2024 2025 season knowing that you have a starter on your hands and he's been producing well and he's of the age that should be coming up and, and at least hold his own at the major leagues being 24 years old um next name on our list richie is brian woo woo uh, <laughs> are, you a woo? are you a woo girl this would have been perfect for one our uh league name was wuhan um lab for those of you who don't know we like to uh make our team name or our league name and whatever is currently going on in society and make a joke out of it, much like we were South Park creators. Um, so Brian Wu is going to be double A affiliate for the Seattle Mariners, six round pick in 2021 coming out of Cal Poly. So I would imagine we have a smart kid here. 
Uh, six games so far, 193 ERA, 28 innings, 39 strikeouts, beautiful whip of 0.71, 23 years old. What do you got for Brian Wu? I got that you can't even pick him up in ESPN right now. Ooh. He is not even in the player pool. Um, no, what really stuck out to me was the first time we, I don't know if we even talked about him, but I saw him pop up on MLB's um, prospect team of the week. And then he showed up again. And then he showed up a third time. And I was just like, okay, now you're really starting to stick out to me. Um, just for the listeners, the first time I believe he showed up, he had five innings, one hit, one walk. I technically it was a hit batter, eight strikeouts. Then the second time was seven innings, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. And then most recently, six innings, seven hits, one earned run, 10 strikeouts, one walk. So in those three out of the last four outings, he... <laughs> He's given up only one run and has, let's see, 10, 17, 25 strikeouts. So he has just been absolutely on fire. Honestly, when the news came out that Robbie Ray was done for the season, I thought Brian Wu was going to be the one they call up and not Bryce Miller because of how bad Bryce Miller was performing. And I was wrong. And Bryce Miller has been performing just well. Um, I think he has supplanted Emerson Hancock, and he's the next man up should they need somebody. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who's in AAA right now that's standing holding out. Holding him back, could, yeah. Right, well, yeah. Also holding him back from just being promoted, which is a little confusing to me. Mm -hmm. Now, only concern, Richie, he's pitching in Arkansas. So, again, I, I don't know the minor leagues well enough to tell you if that's the Southern League. Um but that would be a concern for strikeouts. I mean, you look at these numbers, and if it happens to be something that's part of a attacked ball situation, yeah, that yeah, I got to keep reminding myself of that. That uh, might be um, Texas League, so maybe not. I don't, I, again, I, I need to do more research on this. I'm sorry, listeners. Like, this is something that's newer. We've never had to, you know, concern ourselves with the Southern Eastern leagues. It's always been the PCL that's been the obvious indicator of uh, inflated stats, but. The ball has changed. So Brian Wu, love him. Disappointing you can't pick him up in ESPN because uh, I would just pick him up just to spite you. And moving on to our, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Matt. our last player. Uh, it is. Okay, hold on. I've got, I've got them listed up. There's a North and there's a South division. Okay. Um, oh, there's a South division. Got well, it. In the, in the Southern League for AAA, there is a North Division of the Southern League and there is a South Division. Well, mind so you, is it, it AA or AAA? Because AA Southern League is where they're using the ball. I searched AA. Let's see here. Uh, Biloxi Shuckers, that's AA, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the Brewers AA affiliate. Because, what is it, the Nashville Sounds is our AAA affiliate, correct? That sounds about right. Yeah, so this has got to be double A. Um, I don't see Arkansas on here. All right, so we lost Richie. We're going to jump back in here real quick and wrap up the show. It is, uh, it is the baby that is calling once again the life of a new father. So we did a little bit of research, and Brian Wu is not in the Southern League. We have that list of names for you, players and teams, excuse me, that are in the Southern League. So the Southern League has the North and South Division, as Richie had just mentioned. Uh, we have the Chicago White Sox, Cincinnati Reds, LA Angels, and the Chicago Cubs. In the Southern Division, we have the Milwaukee Brewers, Atlanta Braves, Tampa Bay Rays, Miami Marlins, 
So with all that being said, keep that in mind when we talk about players, we will reference this moving forward as we talk about some of the standouts in AA. We will reference back to this sheet. Uh, we have our last little segment for you of the day, and that is going to be minor league players at either high A, A, or double A that are kind of beating our expectations as well as rising up the dynasty rankings. First one being a player we have mentioned before, that's Junior Caminero. Caminero, nine home runs in 116 at-bats, 28 RBIs, two stolen bases, hitting 371 with an OPS over 1,100. Obviously, I'm a big fan of him, have been this entire season, did pick him up in Dynasty. He is this year's Jackson Churio, at least in my opinion. Should be moved up to double A very shortly with his production at high A, Bowling Green. Next player on the list is Jackson Holiday. We will be talking about him for years to come. Did get moved up to high A affiliate as well. Currently on the season, 115 at-bats, 5 home runs, 10 stolen bases, batting 391 with an OPS over 1,200. Just in the May, uh, the month of May alone, he's batting 447 with 47 at-bats, 2 home runs, 15 RBIs, 10 strikeouts to 10 walks, 6 stolen bases, 3 caught stealing. So we need to monitor that speed tool. Uh, also the discipline there. He's very young. So it may just be a, uh, a skill set that he has to learn a little bit to uh, steal bases better. This is obviously the son of Matt Holiday, Big time production. This very well could be the number one shortstop in baseball uh, in the next five years. We will continue to monitor him, as I have said. Next on our list is Spencer Jones. Spencer Jones, obviously, of the New York Yankees out of Vanderbilt. First round pick in 2022, 25th overall. Big time power, big time strikeouts here. We have seven home runs and 121 at-bats for high A Hudson Valley. 306 average with an OPS at 964. On the season, 42 strikeouts in 22 games. Excuse me, 28 games. It's a lot. We have concerns there, only eight walks. The power is there. The tools are there. We just need him to cut that strikeout rate down, get himself into a more contact approach, and the power will come. A name we will also be monitoring all season and monitoring that strikeout rate. He is 22 years old, uh, did just turn 22. So uh, next on the list is Ivan Melendez. This was the first baseman from Texas drafted last year in the second round, 43rd overall by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Really struggled to start the season, uh, has turned it around just a little bit. His main numbers, he's batting 262 with four home runs. In May alone, so we're starting to see the power production. I think he's starting to get comfortable now that he's out of college. It may just be a thing where he was uh, uh, getting comfortable with a wood bat as well, but a lot of power here. That's why they drafted him. I think this may be a player that we see at age 23 right now in high A take a little bit longer to get to the big leagues, kind of like Matt Mervis, get him really comfortable with minor league pitching, but definitely someone to look forward to. Another name in that Arizona Diamondbacks organization. Uh, two, we have one more player on our list for young players. That's Emmett Sheehan, Dodgers AA affiliate. He is playing in Tulsa right now. So far, eight games, seven started, two and one record with a 1.85 ERA, 34 innings pitched, 58 strikeouts. So definitely falls in line with some of the numbers and the, the profiles that we've talked about. In May alone, he's had 14 and two-third innings with 23 strikeouts. His uh, batting average against is .118, whip of .75. He has pitched three games and looks like he has a zero ERA in May. That is not correct. Um, no, that is correct. No runs allowed in May so far. 
has pitched in three games. So uh, name to keep an eye on. Richie had more to talk about with Emmett Sheehan than I did. Uh, Richie has noted that he only has one pitch. So we will kind of get Richie's opinion on him as the season develops and dive deeper into him as we have a Dustin May injury. So, you know, we have to keep an eye on some of these names um, as the season moves forward to see if the Dodgers continue to have injury issues. He may be bumped up to AAA and might be on the verge in July or August. He is 23. So that is all we have for you today. I will wrap the show. It's nice to have Richie back with us. Uh, Expect for both of us to be on next week, pending anything crazy with the move, and we will kind of get back onto our regular Wednesday schedule. Thank you again for tuning in. We will see you next time.